Hello and welcome to Dragon Talk. I am one of your co-hosts. I'm Greg Tito. I'm joined by Not Shelly. That's my legal name, is Not Shelly. Not no. Shelly Carroll. <laughs> you know, you're in my phone as Bart Mazinobel. <laughs> Our daycare has him down, yeah, as, uh, as Bart Mazinobel. Is that, so, yeah, does, which, which last name does he have? He has my last name, uh-huh. but uh, I don't know. Mazinobel's a cooler last name. I it think. is. That's what I said to my wife when she was like not sure whether she was going to take my name or not. I'm yeah. like, but Tito was just a cooler name. Well, what's what's what was her uh, Logaman? Well, that's pretty good. It's all right, but it was always had a pronoun. Like you had like people said Logaman a lot, not like you know Logan T- man. Logaman. A Logaman. Yeah, so it's Logeman, like L-O-G-E-M-A-N-N. I'm, she's probably pissed that I'm outing you know, my, her maiden name at this point. Uh, but it actually means theater person, like oh. a person who worked in the theater. So like we're, we're, there's, there's the thought that there's like theater people go back, uh, you know, years. That's what we meant. We're, she's an actress as uh, well. So Yeah. Lots of theater in our background. Well, with a name like that, she was destined to be. So, exactly. uh, yes, no, uh, it's myself, Bart Carroll, uh, stepping in for Shelley. She is out ill, unfortunately, yeah, but she might be. She's got the strep. Uh, she might be in the chat watching me right now. She's so. probably watching you right now and judging you silently while she's watching Real Housewives of Orlando or wherever she is. Or The Bachelor. Or some other show slash doing actual work. There's I'd, that involved. I'd make fun of them, but I'm looped into all of these shows now. I know, right? So this is like me making fun of you, making fun of her at the same time. I could tell you all about the Big Brother season <laughs> underway now. We'll do. We'll have to schedule another episode to, on Dragon Talk and talk about that. But yes, we are here to talk about official Dungeons and Dragon business. First up is that we are all on Twitch. So those of you who are listening at home, uh, thank you for continuing to listen to the podcast. We're going to continue doing this forever. But you can watch us record this live on Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific time on twitch.tv slash dnd. So get to it and start doing that now because uh, in addition to that, we have lots of other programming going on on Twitch, uh, such as uh, starting on Monday nights at 5 p.m. We'll be doing a marathon of the first few episodes of... Force Gray Giant Hunters, which we debuted about a year ago, right about now on the Nerdist channel. Yes, I believe it was July 10th or 11th. Uh, right. Season one for Force Gray rolled out, Giant Hunters. And uh, Dungeon we, Master was uh, Matthew Mercer. Yep. Uh, um, uh, there was Chris Hardwick was on that cast. Mm-hmm. Brian Bassane is in that cast. Mm-hmm. whole bunch of amazing people. Uh, Ashley Johnson from Critical Role and uh, uh, Blind Spotter in there. Uh, Utkar Shambudkar mm-hmm. uh, uh, from Pitch Perfect. Um, as well as Shelby, Shelby Farrow, uh, who uh, did a fantastic job as uh, uh, Dagny Hammersmith. Wow. Yeah. 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 I'll say yes. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Anywho, we'll be doing that uh, starting tonight at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Mondays, and then we'll be rolling out season two of Source Force Grave very soon, uh, July 31st. Just throwing that out there. It's not technically announced yet, but those of you listening and or watching this, you're getting that right now. If if you watched Girls Guts Glory on Thursday, yeah, it it's was already announced. the date's already out there. July 31st, Monday, <laughs> 5 p.m. Pacific time. Maybe we'll get some interviews with some of the cast, new cast members, which who include you were there for the taping of that, right? Yes, I uh, flew down to L.A. I was very honored to be part of the taping. I was a fly on the wall. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was great to see. There was, was a slight. Uh, who are some of the new cast members that are in there? Uh, Joe Manganiello, oh. uh, Deborah Ann Wall, uh, and then some returning cast members, of course, uh, Brian and Utkarsh and um, 
Uh, Dylan uh, Sprouse, of course, as well. That's right. I forgot about oh, – I'm sorry, Dylan. I forgot about you. You're also on there, and it's doing amazingly. And uh, returning Dungeon Master, uh, the inimitable Matt Mercer is, is coming back. Awesome. So, very uh, awesome. And then uh, on Tuesdays, uh, we have uh, Dice Camera Action, and we'll be actually talking to one of the cast members of Dice, member, uh, Dice Camera Action uh, who plays the rogue Diath. And it's Jared. Oh God, I said it so many times. Knobenbauer. <laughs> Knobenbauer. Knobenbauer. Yes, I think that's correct. Jared, you're going to have to uh, correct me when we do this for real. I practiced so many times I, in the I last know, session. I'm with laughing Chris because you were out in the hall, going over and over and over. And I knew like it's not. But then there's no, been like ten minutes. Chance. There's ten minutes of that <laughs> short-term memory to just go right out my brain. We'll be talking to him uh, all about uh, his history with Dungeons and Dragons, as well as uh, how he's been playing DF the last like year. Uh, and two or three months uh, on Dice Camera Action with Chris Perkins. So we'll get to that uh, after we are going to do like a lore segment right about now. Do you think that makes sense? We Sounds that? good. All right, well, let's kick it to the bing bongs with some lore. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. Uh, that is the segment in which we uh, pick the brains of these two gentlemen. I'm joined by... Chris Perkins. And? Matt Sarnett. And we will get into D&D lore, little nuggets, things about uh, the Forgotten Realms, as well as thing, uh, ideas that you can probably uh, insert into your own games, is what I like to think about it as. So today, we're going to be talking about the character Valindra Shadowmantle. Uh, she was a character, was she introduced with Neverwinter, or was she around before that? Long before that. Long before that, okay. Yeah. Educate us, Matt. Ooh, wow. A long time ago. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Valindra is in uh, second edition products and up through third and fourth. Uh, and uh, her backstory is that she was an uh, elf wizard in the high forest in the community there. And uh, basically, uh, she wasn't learning wizardry fast enough. She was like, screw you guys, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And so then she went to Mirror Bar. And there was a very kindly old wizard there who offered to, to tutor her and, and magic. She's like, great, I'll sign up with this guy. Killed him and took a spell book. And oh. <laughs> then she went to uh, Luskin that has the, uh, the host tower or host tower of the arcane and signed up with the, the wizards there and continued to be even more evil. So was she uh, originally from the Elves of Silvery Moon? No, the, so the, the High Forest area has a, a, a number of small elven communities in, mm-hmm. in its in areas and various parts of it. There's various sort of named settlements and sort of cities, but they're not really cities. They're just kind of... Um, and areas where elves congregate, retreats, yeah. share, yeah. retreats, right. Okay, that makes sense. And so she was from there, and then she went over towards uh, Luskin. When did, uh, was she always this ambitious? Like when, did, was it like a break in her that changed her, or was she well, all, kind of always this way? My impression is that she was just really, really enthusiastic about magic and was not patient enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, as elves, uh, you know, they're sort of good at magic and they have all these long years to sort of study it and so on. And that's why the sort of the typical elf or magic uh, wizard of D&D is an elf because in part they have these long years to do the rigorous study and all that kind of a thing. Uh, and oftentimes in older art, particularly of D&D, the wizard would be a person with a long beard, not just because, you know, wizards with pointy hats and long beards is, is, and Gandalf and so on is a pop culture thing, but because wizardry takes time to master. Mm. Uh, and, and the grooming also takes time, so you yeah. can't do that. You can't do both of them. 
And so, uh, you know, she didn't want to wait. So she decided not to. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Chris, do you have anything to add as far as her history? Because or, or, I think we want to do an episode eventually, or, or a segment rather, on, on Silvery Moon and the Elves of Forgotten Realms. But any little bits there? Um, no, not really. Uh, she rose quickly through the ranks of the, in the host tower. Um, and uh, at some point, I don't exact, exactly remember the exact date, the host tower fell. Mm-hmm. But she was... Uh, ready to move on, <laughs> and uh, fell in with, of all sorts, uh, the Red Wizards of Thay. Yes, interesting. Yeah, that's sort of the, what what happens is that she's made the um, uh, High Wizard, Over Wizard of the North Tower. Yeah. So the the uh, the House Tower of the Arcane is sort of like a tree like structure with these spires t- spires in it. And uh, the North Tower is sort of in charge of the um, the wizard over Wizard of the North Tower is in charge of all the stuff that's going on in sort of the northern part of their realm that they are trying to take over. So she was in charge of all of the bad things the uh, that the Hostar was trying to do in the Silvery Moon area and the North in general and so on. And uh, she was lovers with uh, <laughs> Arklam Greeth, who is the um, overwizard of the, the whole shebang. Uh, and so um, when he blewed it up, um, uh, he... Uh, Wait, what, blewed it up? What is that? So, so he... he oh, he blew was, up the, the host tower. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in the tower, and Dritz and companions and, and many of the characters from the Dritz saga were there to sort of assault the the tower, and Arkham Goodith is like, you know what? Now no one can play, and boom. he just boom blows the whole thing up, <laughs> and uh, ended up killing lots of his minions and and really not really hurting Dritz and companions at all. And um, was like, what, what the f? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like dude. <laughs> we, um, you, what, you didn't tell me you were gonna do this. So she spends uh, actually a, a long period actually being a little bit crazy and loopy um, and she h- carries with her the uh, phylactery with Arkham Greeth's um, remains soul whatever oh. in it and uh, and he doesn't regenerate um, immediately and so she kind of just has Arkham Greeth kind of bound in his phylactery and just sort of carries it around with her uh, and occasionally she talks to him even though he doesn't seem to talk back and uh, she just what gets. Is the, what is his phylactery? Well, so in in the novels, um, it is a, a kind of gem that actually she got from uh, Jarlaxle and uh, that for her own phylactery and Arkham Greeths because they kind of became liches around the same time. Right. And so she, uh, Valindra, has a particular animosity towards Dritz and uh, Jarlaxle and um, Dana. Uh, What's her name? Danitha, Dan, I'm screwing up the name. Um, That's okay. So she she has an anima. So she was a lich already by the time the host tower fell. Yes. Okay. And then did, did she do that with uh, uh, the the first guy, or was it just kind of? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then, and then she, well, I don't remember where was she the was at the, at the time. It was everybody <laughs> was doing it. I don't remember where she was at the time, but uh, but he but he blew it up basically by himself, I, I believe. I got so. it. Okay. And then, so she kind of went mad a little bit talking to uh, him, even though he was not answering and or even aware that she was talking to right. him. Right. Yeah. It's not clear that that um, in the novels that um, uh, Ari Salvador wrote that, uh, you know, that 
there's anyone there that she's actually talking to, even though she's got his soul gem and is just sort of hanging on to it. Got it. Uh, and so there's a number of novels like that, and there's also a couple of novellas in which she appears that are related to the Neverwinter um, game and also the campaign setting book. Uh, and the Never- fourth edition campaign setting book, she's sort of a villain that's related to that, and she does sort of get like pulled into um, the sphere of Thay and, and Zaztam, and one of the things that Zaz Tam says about her is that she is uh, she still has some of the old magic. So this is this is during the spell plague and stuff like that, where magic got, gets all rewritten, redone, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Zaz Tam uh, really likes her because even though she's a little bit crazy, um, she has she's his kind of crazy. <laughs> she has some of her own power, and she's still <laughs> super powerful. So one of the things that she does is take a uh, sort of magical. Artifact uh, rod, ruby rod thing that uh, is not a fifth element uh, reference, but uh, is this thing from Asmodeus, which basically allows her to summon a pit fiend and control it. And so she does that, and that's when um, I think Brunor dies in a battle against that that pit fiend and I stuff see. like that, and so on and so on. Okay, so it's so, all been tied up with the, yeah. uh, the the companions and the story that uh, that Bob has been writing yeah. forever. So and those are like the mid two thousands that that have, that 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 she was. Kind of taken up as two thousand uh, companions. Twelve, two thousand fourteen, yeah. okay. in that range. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it was during the during the fourth, toward the end of fourth edition. I see, yeah. and it was expanded upon for the Neverwinter setting yeah. book. Yeah, Neverwinter setting book talked her, talked her, basically positioned her as a villain you could play with in the area, and then the Neverwinter MMO took her and ran with her, and essentially based entire plot lines about her machinations. Right. I remember her figuring very prominently in the uh, yeah. uh, trailers. Yeah, and she's a marketing, marketing tentpole. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely in the early shebang. stages. There were there were people who cosplayed as Villindra yeah. at conventions and stuff like that at the early phases as yeah. well, in 2000. Yeah. And it was during that phase that we sort of came to the conclusion that she can sort of alter her appearance slightly, so at times looking still like a living elf, at other times looking like the desiccated lich that she is. Mm. Yeah. With being such a powerful wizard, I mean, you can, any illusions. Yeah, not a problem for her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, typically a lich does need to maintain its full act. I mean, per the things that we know now in 5th edition, how the lore has been built up and so on, a lich needs to maintain its phylactery with souls in order to maintain their sort of living appearance. But a wizard can cast Disguise Self or any number of different spells and so on mm-hmm. to Disguise Self. Yep. I'm sorry if we're spoiling it for you guys who are watching this right now. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we thought it was high time that Valindra show up um, in 5th edition, so... Uh, she does make an appearance in Tomb of Annihilation, an important one. Interesting. She's uh, not just like passing by on the streets of Port Nianzaru, <laughs> you wave at her and that's it. She's, she's actually got a goal, a mission, and she can either help or hinder you. She can actually help you. Interesting. Because is she working? Oh, I don't want to give anything away, but I won't go too into it. But like, I feel like that's her wheelhouse dealing with yeah. the death curse and everything. That's well, happening. she being a lich and working with a lich like Zastam and knowing other liches in the world, uh, as she does. Um, Liches aren't necessarily on board with what's happening in Tomb of Annihilation because somebody is stealing souls. Yeah. Um, and that means that they're not going into phylacteries. So if a lich dies while this is happening... And they're not able to get souls to sustain their phylactery, they could yeah. be destroyed. They could be destroyed forever. So I, yeah. I see that they could have uh, their own motives yeah. for wanting to get rid of right. what's happening. But ally with her at your own peril. Yes. 
because she's not exactly out for anyone else except for her. Yeah. Yeah. And now, she's she, super powerful. Does she have <laughs> allies still in Thay? Is she still uh, mm-hmm. associated with Zastam and, yep. and, and everything yep. that's going on there? Yep. She's got an office there, corner office, <laughs> <laughs> overlooking Thay Mount. How's her benefits package? Is it good? Pretty darn good for, <laughs> for a dead girl. She's retired for <laughs> indefinitely. Permanently, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty much got free reign. Um, Zastam gives her a lot of breathing room, so to speak. What, uh, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so what are, what are, I mean, this, again, we want to talk more about Thay eventually too, but like mm-hmm. what, what are the overarching goals of uh, using her as a pawn uh, in, in all of this? Using her as a pawn? She's no one's pawn. <laughs> oh, okay, she's not under like the command of Zastam? Uh, it's more like an alliance. I see. Of, I can't imagine what she actually sees in him other than power, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Valinda um, works with Zastam because occasionally she gets gifts. Yeah, <laughs> like, here's a new spell you've never had before, never you know, knew before. It's, it's yeah. like here, here's this magical item that can use to summon a pit fiend and control it. Okay, that yeah. seems great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure the relationship is built on power. And here are some minions and some other yep. underlings so, that you could yes. use. So you can pair her off with all kinds of red wizard underlings that have to do what she says, or yeah. else face the wrath of Zastam. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, does she have any uh, ties to the Elven Kingdom still? Like, is she? As far as I know, no. No, that's that's long, long gone. Um, any any sort of. Uh, I mean, I, I would imagine those beautiful Elven bridges were burned long <laughs> ago. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine if uh, there could be elves alive that that uh, knew Valindra when she was a living elf, certainly. Mm. Um, but I don't think she gives a wit about that. <laughs> yeah, I think most of them are hoping that she died in the host tower explosion. Yeah, that's fascinating though to think of like a, pl- a player character or or somebody's playing an elf that could uh, mm. uh, have had a relationship with her or yeah, had a family possible. that had a relationship yeah, with her. You're playing totally. Her. 500-year-old elf, why not? Yeah, exactly. Uh, any any other pointers you want to give people if they, they meet their meet her in, in, in the jungles of Chultz? Actually, hmm. she could be she could have been one of the uh, uh, ways that uh, play, the player characters found out about it, right? Because there's, right. there's some stuff in the yes. early going where the Harpers make some inquiries and powerful rich liches that yeah. may not, you know, so she could yeah. be Absolutely. Uh, a source of information. She could. Um, she could also be a puppet master. You never know. Right. Uh, yeah. You may run into her and not even know it's her, too, which is nice. Any pointers on killing liches? Mm, that's a tough one because uh, she, she hides her phylactery well. So good luck with that. Do, we, do, we, do dungeon masters know where her phylactery is? Uh, we do not tell you where her phylactery is. Interesting. Precisely. Uh-huh. <laughs> For that exact reason. Right. I got it. Yeah. Interesting. So players who read the adventure when they shouldn't <laughs> will not know where her philosophy is. We call those lies. players dungeon masters or oh, future dungeon yeah. masters. They will be able future to tell masters. that story to, to their yeah. children and their players. DM <laughs> can put the phylactery wherever he wants or she wants. Nice. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, I really like uh, – I've always liked that character uh, of, of Valindra and, and finding out more of her has been, been fantastic. Um, where can people uh, pay, uh, pass through you guys for, for questions, not only on, on, on her but other uh, liches and whatnot? Uh, my Twitter account is Chris Perkins DND. Mine is Cernet, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. 
Awesome. And if you want to find out more about her, uh, uh, Valindra, you can probably check it out by playing the the first opening levels. I mean, it's probably like the first 20 or 30 levels mm-hmm. or so of Neverwinter. Yep. Uh, really delve into her as an antagonist, and you get to you know find out about her and, and, and contend with her attack on the city there. So that's always a good way to get into it as well. So that's at playneverwinter.com. Um, and uh, if you want to pester me with any questions, I'm at Greg Tito. If you got any lore segments or any follow-up stuff, please get in touch with me, and uh, we will uh, probably address it in another lore. You should have a segment. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I got it right. Sweet. Uh, I, got, I got it right, you guys. That was a really good uh, segment. We're delving into, uh, let's go with Valindra Shadow Mantle. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was following It was a character I've always wanted to know more about, so it was great to, to pick their brains about it. Yeah, she's uh, she's an interesting character. For sure. Yeah. She she reminds me of my mother. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, we, of course, I've got some other stuff going on in the Dungeons & Dragons world. Uh, Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms was recently announced. It is a idol game from Codename Entertainment. Uh, they've been announcing characters that you can play as or send out in your party over the, the, the summer. And I think the second one, we started with... Uh, um, Minsk and Boo yes. uh, from the Baldur's Gate series and I believe a new one was just announced yesterday uh, or this week so check that out at idlechampions.com or on Twitter at idlechampions uh, there's also Hascon you guys should know about right mm-hmm. it's uh, September 8th through 10th in Providence Rhode Island um, if you are listening to this you can get tickets right now at uh, hascon.hasbro.com click on the tickets tab scroll all the way to the bottom and there's lots of Dungeons and Dragons uh events and uh, things you can buy tickets for right about now. The thing that's the really uh, big favorite of mine is the fact that you can get tickets for events uh, in which you, as an adult, can bring your kids and it's a kind of introdu- introductory experiment. It's a little kid-friendly. Uh, we have two of those. One that go from like one, a kid that's like 10 or younger or 10 or older. So you can go, you know, you can go teen slash tween to uh, younger kids. Uh, and uh, so if you have someone who really likes My Little Pony or For Real Friends or something like that, you can be like, hey, come to Hascon. And then you can uh, slyly get them into Dungeons and Dragons that way. Is that what I like to say? Um, Dungeons and Dragons Beyond is coming very soon. Beta Phase 2 is uh, a thing. It's out there. Go make your characters in Dungeons and Dragons Beyond, dndbeyond.com. Uh, Check that out. Uh, our friends at Curse Media, Adam Bradford, has been doing a fantastic job leading that team, making sure that all the little permutations of how to build a character are all in there and working perfectly. So it's Beta Phase 2, Beta Phase 2, and 3. Beta Phase 2 and 3 have been Live two was the character builder. Three was the uh, homebrew content, so mm-hmm. you can make your own spells uh, and uh, and stuff like that. Make your own magic items, and then share them with people, and other people might want to use them. Just throwing them out there. Um, also, Dragon Plus came out. Yes, no, I was going to mention that it came out at the end of the month. It's every other month, so at the end of June, we released issue fourteen. Mm-hmm. It was our travel special. We wanted to do an initial preview of uh, Tomb of Annihilation, of course. We also wanted to do a feature on playing Dungeons and Dragons around the world, uh, which was a lot of fun to kind of note some of the similarities we, we were confident that we're going to be, of course, uh, but also some of just the cultural differences of playing Dungeons and Dragons in Russia versus playing Dungeons and Dragons in um, anywhere else that, that they are, are playing it. So uh, a lot of fun. And of course, a scenario from uh, Rat Queen's Curse Weep 
uh, was it's always nice to be able to get some good crunchy content into uh, to Dragon Plus every right. month as well. So. And Dragon Plus is of course a, an app on your Android or iOS or yes. on the web. It's at dragonmag.com. Dragonmag.com. So you can get all that fun content there. Uh, and what do we got going on for the next issue? Got anything fun planned? Yes, uh, issue fifteen. Uh, yeah, we don't really announce these things, so no, we no, don't. But why not give a little tease? Give a little tease. Uh, issue fifteen, we wanted to lean a bit more into some of the board game endeavors that we're going to be doing. Uh, obviously, we've got Evelyn's uh, Evelyn Hill's betrayal at yes. Baldur's Gate, uh, so we'll be doing a preview of that. Uh, Chris Dupuy, who worked. Pretty, pretty extensively on the development of those scenarios. We'll be uh, contributing some material. Shelley Mazanoble, of course, will be uh, writing a little bit of a welcome regarding that game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, looking at uh, some of the other board game efforts underway, uh, Tomb of Annihilation from WizKids, I believe, is announced. So hopefully I haven't just said anything out of turn. Not at uh, all. <laughs> uh, but the, yeah, the next Adventure System game, taking a look at that. Uh, and then we like to do a, a bit of a retro article every issue from past issues of Dragon Magazine. We have such a, a rich history to look back at and, and promote. And uh, Dragon Magazine has put out a number of its own board games over uh, or, or you know, games over the years, independent of, of D&D. So nice. we wanted to take a look at uh, what a couple of those are and republish some of those rules. So. Sweet. And, of course, uh, we introduced Tomb of Annihilation at the Stream of Annihilation. It's the new storyline. It takes place in the jungles of Chult. Uh, we, there's, we've been delving into lore about all of that as well as, uh, uh, you know, uh, streaming all of it all on twitch.tv slash dnd. So you get some previews of that. That adventure comes out on September 19th wide everywhere. It'll be out September 8th uh, uh, for in-game stores. So if you have your local game store, go ahead and buy it there on September 8th and get right into it. Uh, but the first way you'll be able to interact with the Tomb of Annihilation storyline is in Neverwinter, which is really kind of cool. The action MMO from Cryptic Studios uh, and uh, Perfect World Entertainment. Um, their uh, thing goes on PC on July 25th. That's when you'll be able to play Tomb of Annihilation in Neverwinter, and it'll be out on Xbox One and PS4 shortly after that. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And, then, and of course, we talked about Valindra Shadowmantle as a major character in the beginning um, kind of initial content in Neverwinter. So if you're interested in learning about the lore of that city as well as the elven lich that we talked about in this lore you should know segment, you should jump right into Neverwinter right now. And that's at playneverwinter.com. All right, I think we've done enough. Do you think we've done enough? <laughs> that's pretty comprehensive. I said yeah. we were going to do a quick intro, and then we did a, a, a longer mid-tro. And now we're going right to Jared. So let's call him up on the phone. Hello. Hey, there he is. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Yeah? Really good. Where are you located? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. For some yeah. reason, I always thought you were like in the in the middle of the country. I don't know why. I, I used to live in Texas, and I moved to Los Angeles like last year. Oh, okay. Mm, that what, makes yeah. sense. What part of Texas? Uh, in Arlington, Dallas area. Oh, okay. I still live in El Paso, and uh, Texas is a very big place, so <laughs> nothing uh, similar. To yeah, there's like no in-betweens there. No. I've heard the words El Paso, so I'm sure it's there. <laughs> <laughs> they have salsa there, right? They, they have Probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, uh, you've been doing Dice Camera Action for so long, but I, I, it's crazy that we, we, we it's taken this long to get you on Dragon Talk. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we uh, uh, I we f- I first found out about your love of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and and for those of you who don't know, this is Jared. I'm I'm, I'm going to say it wrong. 
Knabenbauer. That's actually right. Yes. Ah, yes. you got yeah, it. Yeah, hard right. K. Phew. I practiced with Chris uh, uh, a, a couple of <laughs> times beforehand. I still I couldn't tell if they were messing with you or not. <laughs> like, no, no, it's a hard K. Just, they had me just... practice the entirely wrong pronunciation. Oh, my God, that would be terrible. <laughs> but it would be kind of funny. Yeah, it would be funny. Uh, but you've been a, 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 a YouTube uh, YouTuber for, for how long? When did you start doing that? Uh, the ProJR channel has been going for almost seven years. Wow. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's like an uh, like an aeon in uh, in, yeah. in, in, in internet time. Yeah, now that I say that out loud and realizing just how much time I've been doing this, whew. Yeah, right. man. That's like my college years. What, what was the impetus? I, I, how did you decide to get started? What, what made you just dive right into it? Uh, all it came down to for at least my YouTube channel was there's one particular video game that I absolutely detested and I really wanted to make fun of it. And <laughs> that was it. <laughs> what was, was the like, video I game? Make, I want to make fun of this game. Uh, so I, I did that uh, because the sequel was coming out in like a month or so. So I want to talk about the first one first and then mm-hmm. immediately talk about the second one. And then the second game ended up getting delayed by several months. And I was like, oh, crap. I should do something in the middle. And from there on out, it's just been been doing those videos for almost seven years now what was the game uh, it's called two worlds oh yeah yeah this is a really crappy fantasy rpg yeah i remember that uh i, w- I was doing a, 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 a video game journalism at the time and i remember that being like notoriously hated oh yeah it, it had so much uh hype and build up behind it so and of course, naturally i'm really into like fantasy rpg stuff so i was hyped for it so I got to channel that rage into a career. <laughs> right. So and back to what I was started with was that like I first heard about your D&D uh, love when you did uh, – was it D in December? Is that what you yeah, branded so, it as? Yeah. Uh, so two years ago I started D in December where I spent the entire month of December just talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Either it's uh, personal stories, usually humor stories I've had from playing the game, talking about the uh, different rule sets – uh, tips and tricks for new players, et cetera, just because I've always had a passion for it. I've always wanted to talk about it. And uh, talking about that kind of stuff, even anything tabletop on YouTube is difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So that I, I really wanted to just try it and just really share my other passions besides video games. Nice. And how long have you been, have you been playing Dungeons & Dragons you know, before that? Like when, what, was, what was your origin story? When did you oh, start man. playing? I wish I, I couldn't tell you the exact age. I was maybe six or seven. Oh wow, early! Uh, it's 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 early '90s for sure. And I started off with the Dungeons and Dragons Basic Cyclopedia, where mm. it only had six classes, and two of those classes were elf and dwarf. Mm. So rather than just having sub races, you just had class. Everyone was a human, uh, although elves were. Uh, fighter magic users and dwarves were just other fighters. More more burly fighters that uh, were resistant yeah. to poison. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I th- that was like I didn't. I'm not familiar with that that supplement though. Was it before Second Edition came out? It was after Second Edition. It was. Uh, I think cycle, Basic Rule Cyclopedia was. I want to say around like 1990 or so. Mm. Someone else got to fact check that for me. If I'm not wrong, it sounds like, and I could be completely wrong, it sounds like a, a compilation of uh, the basic rules, the expert rules, all the way up to the immortal rules. Uh, so if you ever played the, the Redbox game uh, in the 80s, that's, that's where I started, and I remember that as well. It was 
Uh, sure, you could be a fighter or a cleric, but you could also be an elf and, or a dwarf, exactly as you said. Those were the yes. class options. Right. I certainly also had that red box because I had the Choose Your Own Adventure tutorial yes. in there. Yes. I played that so many times just trying <laughs> to do every different option just by, on my lonesome. Uh, but I got through all of this thanks to my oldest brother, who is about uh, 10 years my senior, oh, wow. who had all of these things. And uh, just watching his friends play and being fascinated by it and then getting these hand-me-downs as new uh, new versions came out. It's just how, like, how I got captivated into Dungeons & Dragons. So did you ever get to actually participate in the older brother's games? Nah, never oh. with him. Uh, <laughs> not, not with his friends. He did do one. Where uh, so I have, I have a total of uh, three brothers, uh, a twin, one's two olders, uh, two years older, and one that's ten years older. So he did do one. Uh, our first AD and D game ever was when he just chose to be a dungeon master for us. He just improvised the whole thing, uh, and that was when the very first time I played as a rogue, uh, and mm. we all died immediately. <laughs> I believe a uh, a rock showed up, killed the other two, and then carried me off because I had the highest charisma and then fed me to her babies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That made quite an impression on you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man, NDD's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I would get to be eaten. Yeah, yeah but, you know, it's, one of, it's, it's an odd thing. One of the, the things you remember is how your character died, not just how they defeated the dragon. I know. Right. Horrible ends they, they I always end. tell people that when they get frustrated or mad that their character could die. I'm like, yeah, but that's the greatest, like, dramatic moment of any story. Right. Yeah. It's like, look, you kill so many other people. Why can't you die? Exactly. I, yeah. Apropos, Game of Thrones just started up. So. I had a DM <laughs> I had a DM once who I forget, it was like a side conversation. It had nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons, but we were basically talking about like whether you wanted to be cremated or buried, you know, like your actual, you know, in your life. And I just played off a it was an old George Carlin joke. There was like, I don't want to I, I want to be blown up. And I thought that was hilarious. Oh, yeah, it's going to be exploded. Throw up in a big rocket, right? And then he took that detail. I could see him as the dungeon master being like, huh. <laughs> and then, like, three sessions later, I was moving away, and, uh, you know, I had to leave the group anyway. And he had orchestrated this whole plot so that there was going to be an explosion, but one person needed to stay behind and make it all happen. And then I ended up blowing up, and I'm like, you did that. <laughs> <laughs> you totally remembered that detail. Nobody goes for mummification anymore. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's the option yeah, I would take. Let's that. bring it back. Yeah, I don't know. Let's do it. So did you play, uh, a- after that first introduction, did you play like slowly over time or, or, or how to go through through school? Uh, so I didn't really have a, I didn't have like a real good consistent uh, group until about middle school. Before that, it was uh, uh, my first attempt at being a dungeon master was using those basic rules cyclopedia mm-hmm. uh, and just playing with my brother's and some of his friends, uh, not my oldest brother, but the other ones, and some mm-hmm. of his friends would also join. It was just, you know, ridiculous, uh, you know, kick down the door, get some treasure kind of gameplay. Uh, I remember I had a campaign once where they got a horn of blasting, <laughs> and then they did something stupid, and it angered an NPC who stormed off holding that horn of blasting, and they were upset. <laughs> Aww. Uh, so I was also DMing very early on, and it wasn't until... Um, middle school that I got my current consistent best friends who we still played together. Oh, no way, really? Yeah, and then I introduced them to AD&D. A few years later, third edition comes out, and then we actually had a a years-long ongoing campaigns. 
And I've always, I've always was the dude who was always that dungeon master for everyone. So I've, I've DM'd a lot, which is why the uh, my old channel URL on YouTube was DM Jared. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was direct message Jared. Is <laughs> <laughs> district manager Jared. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, why do you think you gravitated towards uh, DMing? Was it because there was nobody else or did you just love that story storytelling aspect? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, one, no one wanted to do it. Uh, mm. Two, I I love I love the creative aspect. Even like a lot of the video games I played growing up, there's always a lot of uh, kind of creation, uh, building games, rather stuff like SimCity, yeah, or uh, things along that nature. So like I, I enjoyed that kind of stuff. So being able to create my own, in my eyes, was essentially a game for people to go through. I got to make my own dungeons, make my own. Uh, traps, come up with treasures for everyone to reward them. I thought all of that was just really, really cool. So I naturally kind of gravitated towards uh, wanting to do that kind of stuff and then put people through it. That is cool. Yeah, that was the stuff that I always uh, uh, latched onto as well, like just reading the monster manuals and being like, oh, man, I can't wait to use this or this society will interact with this society. I just flip through those pages and I'm like, what the heck is this thing? I'm pretty sure I haven't killed them with this yet. Just <laughs> toss it in there. <laughs> nice. Was Did there a lot of character deaths in, the, in those early days? Not a whole lot. I mean, it was. I mean, again, it was early AD and D and basic rules, so you know, it was much easier to kill people. Right. Uh, but I've always tried to be uh, a kinder DM to you know keep people playing and uh, get attached to their characters. Uh, over the years, I found way other ways to punish them is much more interesting than just say killing them off. For example, uh, I had one of I've had my one of my friends always loves playing a monk kind of character, and one of the things I've always wanted to do to punish him was to have him lose an arm. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you like punching stuff? I'm gonna take half that away. <laughs> like to me, that's cooler than just outright killing them. <laughs> yeah, but then you'd you want to maim him. But you have to really respect the one-armed monk who just has yeah. to overcompensate and is just as good. Yeah, that would be pretty odd. So you used to play with your brothers. Did you ever like get a vent your your sibling rivalry out on them? If the, anything came up, you could just I'm going to take it on your characters. Uh, not on me, but I've certainly had the reverse. <laughs> oh, the older brothers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So around yeah around third edition. Uh, when uh, my two-year-older brother, uh, he had his own campaign with all of his friends, and then he was, uh, and then he let me join in there too because he knew I was an experienced player, and he just wanted to uh, even out the group a little bit, and then kind of help some of the newer players there. Uh, he would he would get bored very easily, and anytime he got bored, he would just find some way to kill us all or have something terrible happen. Uh, and the the climax of that campaign where we never played again is that he suddenly came up with, like, as he exclaimed, a brilliant idea. We got to do it. And we're all excited. We sit down and we're in this forest and we're starting getting attacked by an invisible enemy as uh, we hear these weird clicking noises off in the forests. And there's like we could tell there's an invisible creature chasing us around and with large energy bolts blast out from its shoulder. And attacking <laughs> us. So it turns out we were fighting the predator. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I feel like I've run that game myself, uh, <laughs> beholden to the Predator as a great monster. Yeah. Oh, he's so cool. I want to use him. Oh, my God. That is we did cool. defeat him, though, and got his gun. Oh, and that broke all of the conventions, right? You were like, yeah, oh, basically. nice. We can now and take over the world. 
I was playing a uh, rogue uh, cross-class into assassin, and I was like the few, <laughs> only person with a high enough use, ma- use magic device skill, so I was able to get this gun. Weirdly, after I had the Predator gun, never played again. That's a bummer. That is a bummer. But you got to yeah. resurrect that character, find that character yeah. sheet somewhere. That's so, how that happened. So uh, a long-standing uh, affinity for, for rogues and, and yeah. thieves, it sounds like. Yes. Uh, ever since uh, probably about... Oh man, uh, certainly in AD and D for sure. Before third third edition is like when I really sucked my teeth into it, but I've always enjoyed rogues just because I've always liked the utility to them. Mm-hmm. Not so much the backstab or sneak attack stuff. I just love the idea that they can contribute to the team because they can find traps, pick locks, climb easily, stealth around, scout. That's the stuff that I really like doing and that uh, enjoy of playing rather than just outright dealing damage. So that's yeah. one of the things I always fascinated about to about rogues to me, and the the assassin you know bit is just like that heightened right like you're able to deal tons of damage but like you're also pretty much just like uber rogue. Yeah, that was the, in that particular campaign. It was just uh, the rest of the group was just kind of wacky, and I was like, oh man, I've never used a prestige class before. Let's try assassin, and then mm. I got all the different poisons and some few minor spells to you know help use with my roguish abilities. Right. God, prestige classes. Remember those? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there used to be so many like uh, requirements. So that was like ninety percent of your character builds in third edition would be like, I got to make sure I take spot five times yeah. you know, over the next. I level. had, I had to tweak my skills just right for assassin, and then just kill a man. <laughs> that, just to watch him die. That was one of the prerequisites for the assassin back then. Yeah, it was just uh, kill someone for no other reason than you want to kill him. Wow. And yeah. it's like, great, you're an assassin now. Yeah, I did it. Just for the player. Just think yeah. what the character has to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so when, uh, you know, Greg Bilsland kind of approached you to uh, start up Dice Camera Action, so you went, uh, you went in full rogue, uh, I guess, because you were like, was that just in your wheelhouse and you just wanted to, to, to keep playing that? Yeah, of course. Uh, I've, I had done D&D December a few times, and I had talked about my favorite character I'd always ever played as, who is D.F. Woodrow. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, when he approaches about doing the show, uh, I knew I wanted to bring DF back because I love playing rogue characters. And I also feel like uh, having, because he's a very different rogue, it was, I wanted to kind of break that stereotype that people have of those characters where they're always kind of the neutral, neutral evil character who just want to steal everything or even steal from the other players in the party. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people kind of get that in their mind. A lot of people play rogues that way. And that's never how I did DF. So I, I kind of want to bring him to the forefront to show that there are different ways to play uh, rogue characters that isn't just murder and stealing and getting money. Yeah, because a lot of like heroes of literature and myth you know, probably map to rogue more than, you know, other classes too. So right. Like, right. And then you never really think about them as being the backstabber scoundrel types, although those exist in lots of literature too. But like, yeah, you I, know, they tend to have maybe a, a scoundrel streak in them, but like, you know, Star Lord from Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy could be a rogue. Yeah. Indiana Jones. Indiana yeah. Jones was the, where I was going, right? Mm-hmm. He's oh, yeah. definitely uh, uh, altruistic and wants right. to help people, but he does it using his rogue skills. Mm hmm. With proficiency in exotic weapons. He's, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's got that reach. He's got reach with that weapon. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. So did, is that, you know, were you trying to gravitate towards those kind of tropes more for Diaz? 
Uh, I none of them had necessarily uh, sprung to mind when I was uh, making him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, I, there's the comparisons are certainly there. Just not always evil or. I, I mean, I always see stories online about the uh, party rogue who just either steals something or hands a note to the DM just says, I secretly steal something important from the other characters, which just causes infighting and only one person's having fun with that. And I'm not, I'm not about that. So I, I just want to show that there are the other ways to play them. Yeah, that makes sense. When did, no, you said you, this has been a longstanding character. When did you st- first start playing with, uh, with Dieth? Uh, I want to say it was third editions when I first created him. No, don't take that back. It was definitely before that because I know I used that name in Baldur's Gate. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah. we're, going, we're going back into the way back machine here. <laughs> yeah, so it was certainly at some point in AD&D. I don't think I got to play him a whole lot, but I, I certainly enjoyed my time with him. Uh, and like I said, as the person who is almost always the DM, even though I've had him for many, many years, I haven't actually had to use him. Mm. A whole lot, since I didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to do so. Mm. You didn't break him out as an NPC every once in a while? Oh, I, I did that a lot. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so is this the, is Dice Camera Action like the, the, the longest time you've been not a DM? Oh, yeah, definitely. Really? Ab- okay, that's absolutely, cool. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> this, is a, like, this is the most extensive campaign I've had as a player ever. And what's also cool about it is uh, because we've been doing it for so long, this is the most uh, fleshed out as a character DF has ever been. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So what's it what's it been like uh, filling in those details? You know, over it's like a year and three months now, right? Is that about? Yeah, that? Just, just over a year. Uh, I've absolutely I'm in love with it uh, because I've always had his uh, his, his kind of base foundation there, mm-hmm. and that you know. Uh, he's a rogue, but you know, he doesn't steal, he helps people and he's doesn't necessarily enjoy fighting or combat. But ever since then, I've had gotten to really, even internally, even with our dungeon master, Chris Perkins, just, uh, figure out why he is the way he is rather than just the fact that he is. So I know more about his personal history, his family history, the, what happened to him growing up that makes him act the way he is, why he is that kind of person, uh, especially in recent episodes with uh, how uh, unfortunate some things have gone and how much that has affected him as a person is, has been absolutely fascinating to me. So he, this is the longest I've played with him, and this is the best version of him and my absolute favorite. That is it, cool. This, this is canonical DF. <laughs> From now on, he will be yeah. known forever in this. Yeah, uh, if anyone ever asks what happened to him, <clears throat> dice camera action is it. So, uh, uh, well, before we get into like really what's happening right now uh, in the storyline, yeah, what was you know? Can you give some people who are listening who may not, uh, uh, you know, have seen every episode of Dice Camera Action, like what what were some of the uh, um, you know story beats along the way that have kind of shaped your your, your thinking of him? Oh man, so many. <laughs> uh, well, well, one of the. So just his entire relationship with one of their party members, Strix, who is a tiefling sorcerer from Sigil, uh, like they, they have a very uh, particular kind of relationship. And uh, I feel like a, a lot of the dynamic from there shows uh, who Dieth is. Uh, and he's kind of became the sort of party leader. It wasn't the way at the start. That's just kind of how it came to be as he ends up being kind of the voice of reason uh, pragmatic character. Mm. Uh, 
so that in general has certainly shaped him. But the specific events I absolutely loved was, uh, well, one, when episode, I think it's seven or nine, where uh, Dieth is brought to the gallows. That's a pretty important one, I'd say. Mm. Uh, yeah. The, the I, scar I around your neck, I, yes. I feel like, has been such a great uh, a motif to go back to. It really has. And it's certainly something that he hasn't forgotten. Uh, I also really liked a minor moment where shortly after that, where the party's first encounter with Strahd as he tries to uh, capture uh, Arena, uh, there's a moment where Strahd's uh, nightmare attacks DF and he just uses it to escape in a very roguish way, which just kind of shows how he acts rather than just kind of stabbing something really hard with his sword. So that, that's another minor moment that shows like how he approaches uh conflicts mm. uh, other important ones uh i mean some of the, the recent ones was everything that went down in iron slag yeah. uh in season two has absolutely affected him uh episode 52 with everything that with uh evelyn mm. has certainly affected him uh even I, I, mean, I can't remember exactly which moments but there he's had a lot of uh turmoil slash conflict with one of the other party members, Paulton, where even though they're on the same side, they butt heads so often that I, I, I there, as a player, there's a few times where I think I think to myself, like, oh man, we're gonna fight each other. I think we're gonna <laughs> fight, and it gets really close a lot of times. So everything, yeah, everything with uh, their robot Simon and how DF reacted to that <laughs> and treated him, I think is also also kind of indicative of uh, how he approaches things. And but then when uh, with Simon's fate and how the rest of the party kind of reacted to that. Yeah. Uh, and internally it really changed DF and how he saw these things and the rest of the party. I love the way that you have all this in your brain as like, you know, these are the important moments that, and, and you know, obviously when, when you, when you create, you know, uh, a show like this where like, you know, there, there's going to be weekly, you know, stories and beats and everything like that. But it, it's really sounds like you're talking about like a game of Thrones or like a, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a, a scripted narrative. And it's just so awesome that you guys are, you know, creating this together online every week. And it feels like these are, you know, story beats that a writer's room would have come up with, but they're ones that, you know, happen naturally and organically. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah, it's been excellent. I just got to see uh, all of the other players just a few nights ago. Yeah. How was that? It was awesome. We were all just in a bar and all we did for who damn near three, four hours was just talk about our show (laughs) and our characters, like uh, how we've like changed things or developed characters, our favorite moments. Are uh, just like little reveals to each other uh, during all those times. It was so good. Like we just we just nerded out to each other for four hours because oh we God. love this show and our characters as much as all of the viewers do. So uh, much like it, obviously, Chris Perkins is the dungeon master, plans and plots things and 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 scripts it out maybe a bit in advance. Did you, as a party, then decide, hey, here are some. Uh, decision points we want to take. Here's here's the directions we want to to push our party towards. Did you discuss sort of that sort of party dynamic or strategy or, or where you'd like to to take the group next? We did not because we kind of just wanted to happen and see how we mm-hmm. react to there rather than trying to trying to have an end point and almost almost kind of wedging or forcing ourselves to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'd rather just uh, so we know our characters and our pasts and our presence 
but we don't want to have any kind of influence on the futures mm-hmm. rather than just letting uh, the events lead us to that or whatever Chris Perkins has planned to further develop us uh, and leading towards that. For example, uh, last episode, uh, one of the NPCs had called out a slur to Dieth and is a very specific word and right away like all three of them were like what is that what does that mean and i was like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so we're yeah so i I saw that picture on uh uh, twitter where you guys were all together what was the the occasion because i know i think anna was uh visiting to appear on maze arcana uh in in la but was nate on tour as well is that why he was you guys were all in the same city Oh, no. Uh, Nate actually lives in Burbank, which is oh. very close by to where Holly and I live. Hmm. So the, because Anna was coming into town, we just all met up at a uh, at a bar in Burbank. And for the first time, we got the full Waffle Crew together. Yeah, because you guys were, uh, you know, th- uh, three of you with, uh, minus Nate were to here for Stream of Annihilation. And then you were also yep. uh, live at TwitchCon. Uh, was that yeah. last year? Yeah, that was uh, last TwitchCon. Right. Uh, yes, but Nate, who has so many tour dates and is always and does voice acting gigs and is always recording new albums and stuff. So, the uh, getting it together with him at any point in time is uh, just a, a rare occasion and an absolute treat whenever we get to. Nice. Now I see- and it was very it was very Paulton like that night, <laughs> as uh, as we're all just hanging out and Nate's like six drinks in. <laughs> And he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> he, did he break out a guitar at any point? Like, did he start uh, actually no. singing? Oh, okay. Dang it. That would have been the perfect Paulton <laughs> moment. <laughs> Some castanets. So uh, so you guys have been working on your, your, your costumes, at least. You know, I know you also went to the Ren Faire, uh, as well as, uh, you know, wearing your costumes for, for the two live events you've done so far. Has, has Nate been working on a costume? Just in, on the off <laughs> chance that he'll be able to uh, uh, join, join you guys one time? He hasn't been working on one for himself, but uh, Holly and uh, my wife Heidi, who made my costume, who's uh-huh. also a professional cosplayer, oh, I didn't uh, know have, that. Basi- mm. have basically offered to make his for him and just nice. said, we'll, it'll, like, it'll be so fast and easy. We're going to make this for you. You just put it on and be on shows with us. The hard part is just getting those uh, live dates available <laughs> at the same time as him. Right. That's a good. All right, that makes a lot more sense then. All right, I think having a, a few ringers coming in will make the cosplay for you. Right, that makes it a lot easier, <laughs> for sure. That's one of the other cool things about having this costume is that uh, obviously I've been playing DF for so long, but for the first time ever, I have like a concrete image of him and what he looks like, and uh, like the, the the smaller details are on him, which I've never had before. So kind of seeing that kind of realized. Uh, was really, really cool and a, a little bit of emotional to me, won't lie. And then I got to Aww. wear it, and I felt awesome. Did a little tear, a little tear droop, droop down your cheek? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, that is, that is pretty amazing to have, like, something that has been your creation for a long time finally be, like, in the flesh. It's more or less like ha- having a dream kind of come true, like an imagination just being brought to the physical realm. It's oh, very cool. That is fantastic. So how did that work? Did you, like, give her... Uh, a sketch? Did you give your wife, wife a sketch, or was it like you just talked about it and then she she would you know show you a few options? Uh, we talked about it, and she basically told me which ideas were stupid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, that was a wow. that was a subtle test to see if you were actually married, and you passed. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I brought a few ideas to her. I also have a, a miniature of Dia that I had painted, uh-huh. and 
Uh, so I brought it to her and I was like, let's, you know, let's kind of base it off of this. And she's like, Ooh, those pants aren't going to work. And I was like, what? I was like, Oh, they're fine. She's like, no, those aren't good. It's like, here, let me do this. So then she got, uh, crafted these gray pants for Dieth where they have like, a uh, the different textures on the outside on the inside. And she's right. They look way better. And I should have absolutely have listened to her. Uh, I also that's just had them in like, sort of just like a plain blue tunic. And she's like, no, that's boring. And then she, uh, put like the deep V cross stitching on the chest and kind of textured the outside of the arms with these like the folded pleats. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's where uh, it breaks but, down. They have all the terms, and I'm like, I, yeah. I got no terms. I know about like you know <laughs> uh, uh, levels and spells. <laughs> yeah. So she came up with all of that. Uh, it was her idea to have the. Uh, pouch of three throwing knives on his back yeah, and kind of be uh, upside down and angled at such a way that he could reach back and grab them for like an underthrow, which is one of my favorite details that she made on there. So I, I kind of had like the base foundation and then she just let me know what worked, what didn't, and then uh, implemented her own ideas into it. Neat. And it ended up being excellent. She's so good. Mm. It looks awesome. It looks really good. So, yes. so hats off to you, Heidi. That, look, that looks great. <laughs> I love I love how they, even in the intro the animator used those how you throw the the knives uh, yeah. in that way really well for the for the intro. Yeah, I loved seeing that. It made me really really happy. Now, of course, in the intro, I actually hit with the knives, which never happens in the game. <laughs> so it's obviously fake. Yeah, obviously fake. <laughs> yeah. I want one of those for real life, but it would have, like, my remote control and, you know, a pen, right. fork. Your multi-tool, like, yeah. you know, yeah. call out your Leatherman, right. But in a bandolier type of situation. I think we can make that for you. That would be great. I think it would be happening. Holly's yeah. in the chat. Maybe she'll make it for you one day. <laughs> I actually nice. use the uh, the leather the pouch the side pouch that we use for Dieth. We actually use that on our day to day lives just because they're so it's, it's so useful. Like the outside pouch perfectly fits a cell phone. Oh, nice! And you just put anything else in the center. So while we were at a, a different convention, I just had that on me, and a lot of people were asking me, "He's like, oh, where did you get that? That's awesome!" And I was like, "I took it from my Dieth costume." <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's one of a kind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry. Although Can't get it. that's an Etsy idea right there. Make it happen. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Man, I, w- I wish that stuff would come back in style. <laughs> Guys, we need to be able to wear pouches and cloaks freely uh, without yes. scrutiny. Yes, I'm 100% in on the return of the cloaks. I was just yes. thinking about that the other day. I'm not sure why they went out of style. They seem useful. They're not. They're completely in style. All right, yeah. Yeah. Good to know. I'm a big There's, proponent of the man bag, like actually having like a shoulder bag with me at all time that has like everything I can possibly want in like it. Like a haversack? Yeah, like a haversack. All right. Yeah. There was, there was some actor... Who was trying to make cloaks come back in style? I wish I could remember who it was. It was like Antonio Banderas or something. Okay, he could pull it off. He was like, "I'm going to bring back cloaks." And I'm like, "Yes, do it." <laughs> yeah, you have could, my support. He could pull anything off, though. I imagine exactly. Yeah. Um. So uh, a whole bunch of people have been asking questions ever since I, we we made a brief call for on the twitters, but like it blew up with people asking you uh, questions. You mind if I throw a few at you? Yeah, let's do it. Sweet. Uh, so this is a good one, and I was thinking about this watching you guys, uh, you know, every week play in front of a of a computer screen. Um, but how do you avoid becoming distracted when you're playing D and D on a computer? Uh, well, I, I shut everything else down. Yeah. Uh, so no, no, like side uh, phones, no handhelds, no other windows up. So we're playing dice camera action. The only thing I am seeing is the uh, video screens of everyone else there so I can uh, watch them and look at them, see their reactions and how they're rea- uh, playing the game. And the other thing I have up is the chat window 
to kind of see their live reactions too, to see how much they like, uh, or see, to see their reactions to the different moments within the show too. So like, that's all I have up. Mm. Uh, and aside from that, it's just discipline. Like if I'm here, to, I'm doing this show, like I am here to play D and D. I don't want to do anything else. Like that's all I want to do in the next two hours. Like I am in this world and this is what I am doing. That makes sense. Do you ever, uh, cause I, when we were talking to Anna, she mentioned this, that like, it's, kind of uh, different than playing in person because you can, you know, when you're playing in person, you're focusing on one character's eyes, essentially, and you can sometimes get peripheral information, you know, but when you have everybody's faces on the computer screen in front of you, you can see all the reactions from the cast to to Chris, you know, in the same, you know, field of view. Does that, do you, do you use that? Do you use everybody's reaction at once to, to inform your, your role play? Uh, a lot of times, yeah, it's it's way different than in person. Because also in person, if someone does something, you can physically turn to just them and give them a specific look. Yeah. Whereas on computer with a camera pointing at just you, everyone sees the same things. There's so it's kind of hard to get that 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 human uh, nonverbal communication of just being able to look to someone or give them like a, a certain, like an eyebrow raise or something, or just a poke on the knee saying, don't do that or something like that. Uh, so oh yeah. That, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you're right. That is like a subtle thing that like, you know, you can, you can kind of like move your, put your hand in front of your face a little bit and be like, no, don't, right. don't attack, so, but you can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> so when we get to do the live shows, we do get to do that, and it's such a different dynamic, and mm-hmm. I feel like it makes our uh, interaction interactions and our role playing come alive even even more, of uh, being able to physically uh, interact with each other that way. That's cool. All right. Well, thanks for that question, Merfolk Lord. Good Twitter handle as well as good yeah. question. <laughs> uh, so this one's more about uh, uh, you know uh, a funny Strahd question. If he invited you over <laughs> for a dinner party. Would nope. you be expected to bring a gift if oh, Strahd gosh. invited you? <laughs> uh, uh, my gift would be a sun sword to the heart. No. <laughs> no, none of that. I hate that guy. I hate him so much. He is such a jerk. Uh, Chris Parkin played have, him to When is he having his dinner party? I'm sick that weekend. <laughs> Literally. But no, yeah. but that would be your perfect chance to be able to, to sun sword him. <laughs> I'll have to steal it from Paulton first. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I didn't realize there was garlic in this. I'm so sorry. What, you know, whatever it was. Oh, oh, I just want to make you a nice casserole. Oh. You, you don't like Thai food? Oh, that's just... <laughs> oh, dang. Come on. Oh. Uh, and, and, and Holly said uh, hard pass in the chat. Yeah, so I think hard pass. That makes perfect sense. That's the best way to put it, hard yeah. pass. <laughs> <laughs> it's never an option on the uh, invite returns. Will you be attending? Yes, no. Hard pass. No. <laughs> so uh, that was a good question at uh, the Willie Booth. Thank you for that. Uh, and uh, here's one that I'm not sure you want to answer. Uh, <laughs> what's the worst thing Chris Perkins has done to your character and the worst thing you can imagine him doing? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Is he there? Is he listening? I don't want to give him any more ideas. Uh, he, no, he's not. He's not listening. He's, uh, uh, he's busy working man, on new adventures. The worst thing? The worst thing he's done to DF, uh, man, I, that's such a hard question to answer. I mean, I would say hang him, <laughs> but I feel like there's worse things he's done. Right, that just, that's just dealt with you, like, you know, your physical body. Like, yeah, you know, the, like the there, mental there's, tortures. there's been harder ways to torment him. 
Uh, oh, nope, I got it. It was when Dieth accepted the dark gifts to uh, claim a resurrection power and was immediately turned into a ghoul-like state, only to find out that Van Richten just showed up having a raised dead squirrel, and he didn't need to do that. <laughs> oh, that is the worst thing. I, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, worst thing he could do to DF, um, I would say um, take away any of his friends. Oh, mm. that makes sense. Yes. And sadly, we can confirm from the chat that Chris Perkins is listening, so he's oh, taking notes. great. Over. Dang it. Sorry. Just All kidding. Right. Uh, Just the kidding. worst thing you could do to Dieth <laughs> is give him 1,000 gold. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cruel. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, man. He gets a free airship and they go home. Oh. What a jerk that Chris Perkins helping you out <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, that was a good question. Uh, I can't really pronounce this Twitter handle, but it's ZB Zorhoff. Thank you for that. That was a good one. Um, who would you love to? You guys have a lot of, had a lot of guests on Dice Camera Action. We had Sam Witwer last week. Uh, what do you what do you think about his uh, portrayal of uh, uh, the Mad Mage there? Oh, it's so good. He absolutely uh, nails it. I love all of his uh, more subtle Gary Gygax jokes. Mm. Uh, like that's my favorite part. I love how much he actually knows the uh, the lore behind uh, Mordenkainen and all of Strahd. So yeah, he does an awesome job. That's cool. Uh, so uh, this is this is a, a good question then. What uh, you know? Who would you if you had a perfect world and you can invite anyone to guest on the show? Who who would you be? Who would you invite? Dang, that's such a hard question. Uh, I, if I could, uh, I guess I would play with um, man. There's so many choices. Yeah, you know what. Mila Kunis. I like that answer. Boom. Yeah. One, uh, she... I have a huge crush on her. <laughs> Two, uh, she, I know she's a, like a, a very much like a, a gamer and wants to play those kind of things, and I think she would enjoy it. It would be really, really fun. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Because I remember her playing. She was a big WoW player back in the day. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I think she'd be down. She's, she's nerd adjacent, if not full on into it. Right. Yeah. She'd be fantastic. I wonder what character she would play. Probably like a warlock. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I sure why. That. that just kind of popped into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Good question. Uh, that was also from CB Zoerhoff, so we're, we're getting into those. We're getting into the, the, <laughs> the big-time ones. Ooh, wow. Um, all right, so this is more of a, a, a rules-type question because we know you know uh, I've been playing lots of different editions. Uh, what D&D rule do you feel is underutilized? Uh, for example, uh, Caleb Moshier, who asked this question, likes the encumbrance rule in 5e, but realizes that most people don't use it. Mm. Ooh, I actually like encumbrance a lot, too, because uh, when, I've, when I've been DMing, I made encumbrance very much a thing because I didn't want my players to become the, the kind of people who just loot everything like they just grab anything and they're holding like eight swords so i'm gonna sell these later it's like yeah. oh i've got two 10-foot poles it's like how are you carrying that uh so i actually do like encumbrance um i also like i also like the just ration rule mm. where people are going out they're going on these adventures and they have to survive i want them to make sure they have food and water to survive because <clears throat> that also gives me an opportunity as a DM to prevent further challenges where their, their food gets spoiled or mm. if they're out there too long or if there's harsh weather or whatever. So I, I, I'd say 
cut encumbrance, yes, I agree. And I, th- I think uh, just food and water to keep people going, I think, should is also a uh, underused one. You're gonna love adventure and insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, resource management uh, in general. It, it's an aspect of adventuring. I, I know some people like it, some people don't like it. I, I, I definitely agree. It certainly has its uh, moments. Uh, and yeah, m- making my blatant pitch for, for Tomb of Annihilation, it, it's definitely an element of the adventure. If yeah. you bring I, I also uh, would throw out there uh, giving money a purpose. A purpose? Oh, yeah. So to yeah. be able to invest in stuff? Yes. Yeah, like if you're getting all this golden treasure, like uh, being able to really use that for something. I agree. I think that's a big part of it. And it harkens back to when, you know, gold was XP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you always get these, like, you know, thousands and thousands of gold, and then being able to reinvest it into something was, was super... It made you feel like you were part of the world. Right. I mean, and largely, the reinvestment was building a stronghold, yeah. building a, a cathedral, or whatever your class was, and then yep. putting, putting your stamp on the world that way as well. Would Diath ever want to create a, uh, a thieves' guild mm. or some kind of organization that he was the head of? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Never? Like, not even once he wanted to pass his knowledge on? No, if he had any kind of uh, large funds, it would it would just be a humble living and would just basically use it to continue getting adventuring supplies. Maybe potions of, like, superior healing or whatever to make it easier to do so, but it's the actual adventure itself that he cares about, not mm. so much the treasure. That's cool. I can, I can respect that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Where do you think Diath is going to go in the future? Now, remember, let me, I, potential spoilers might come out here, guys. So if you have not watched, you know, up to speed with Dice Camera Action, <laughs> feel free to, <laughs> to hum or stick your fingers in your ears. Um, but, yeah, what do, you, what do you think is uh, uh, in store? Well, I mean, I, I know what, where we are going to go to, and I am scared. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, we're going to end up at the Tomb of Annihilation. So that's fun. Uh, but for Diath as a character... Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to exploring uh, his past and kind of what I alluded to earlier and why he is the way he is. Mm. And Chris Perkins has already started planting those seeds, uh, whether it's his uh, new sword gutter that can summon uh, a, a basically a god from Sigil or uh, what was hinted at at Ashton Woodrow and his relation to Dieth. Uh, mm. I'm actually really looking forward to uh, exploring that. Oh, I missed and, that. What, what was the hint there? What was uh, basically uh, Ashton Woodrow is a uh, ancestor of Dieth in some capacity. Oh, just like back in in, in antiquity, yeah. or or yeah. yeah. So so whatever whatever that could possibly mean. Interesting. And then uh, at least internally for Dieth, uh, he, he's he hasn't been in a great place for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ever since Iron Slag, uh, he's kind of uh, kind of lost faith in himself and his abilities, and can and, and longer has the the confidence or the leadership of uh, qualities that he had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm looking forward to exploring uh, his further descent into that mental weakness or whatever it would take to get him to rebound out of that what do you think that would be how would he get his groove back oh man i have no idea <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be up to chris and whatever happens i suppose yeah some some kind of heroic act though something that would like possibly or maybe something with ashton maybe hmm? 
yeah, maybe these are the seeds that Perkins have been planting all yeah. along. I like exactly. it. Exactly. Very cool. Uh, so, uh, where can people find out about, you know, uh, uh, your, your, your channel, uh, where you are and, and, and pester you with, I keep saying pester today, uh, <laughs> approach you with more interesting questions. Oh, oh, please do. Uh, Twitter is always the easiest, just, uh, at pro Jared, mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty much pro Jared for almost everything. Uh, Twitter, uh, twitch.tv slash pro Jared. I uh, play magic on there a lot and talk about D and D a lot. Uh, youtube.com slash pro jared on there be sure to check out all of the dnd videos i also have a lot of uh, dungeons and dragons gameplay stuff mm-hmm. over on the game my youtube gameplay channel uh youtube.com slash pro jared plays whether it's actual dnd or some of the old ssi gold box games like pool of radiance or uh IDB holder uh so a lot, a lot of other dnd stuff on there too Nice. Yeah. I, when we were talking about Baldur's Gate uh, in the chat, they were like, oh, man, I, that's not old school. The SSI games, those are old school. And I'm like, oh, yes. the SSI games are yes, so are. good. I yeah. was playing that. And I'm like, I want another one of these. Someone <laughs> I know. make one of these, please. Please. If only yes. there was a, a, a brand that could do that. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> if only there was someone I knew who I could talk to. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll make it happen. <laughs> We're on it. I know. Because I go back to those older games, too, and be like, man, there's, there's so much wealth of storytelling in here that uh, uh, we could really mine. Good games are good they're, game. They are so ahead of their times. It's true. All right. Well, thank you so much, dude, for coming by and uh, uh, chatting about this uh, yeah. stuff. And uh, maybe we'll check in in another couple months after, you, after uh, uh, Diath <laughs> has had his, uh, his, his groove uh, come back to him. Yeah, thank you guys so very much for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. A lot of fun. And uh, I hope uh, people who uh, watch Dice Cam Reaction want to say thank you to everyone there. It really means a lot, and I hope you're enjoying the show as much as we are. I think they are. There's The, the, the popularity and the amount of, of, of just love I feel from the Waffle, for the Waffle Crew from fans has like ramped up even just in the last like three or four months. It's been insane. Yeah. You know, there was always this this core group of people who are paying attention and, and, and loving everything you guys were doing. And then now it's just like reaching a fever pitch because honestly, the, your storytelling has gotten so much more dramatic. And yeah, you know, I agree. I, every uh, every every week, it's uh, myself and I know uh, Adam Lee and Stan Stephen Brown. Who's we all watch it together because yeah. I can I see them with their headphones and I see them laughing at the same at the same point. <laughs> slash horrified. Yay! Yeah. We're funny! Yay! Yay! Oh uh, man, we didn't even get to talk about your reaction faces. I wanted to to, <laughs> to make sure. <laughs> There's plenty. Those are so entertaining, I mean, especially during the stream of annihilation. Right at the end, when uh, 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 Chris um, gave that choice to uh, uh. Evelyn, <laughs> your pure horror was something that I'll remember forever. <laughs> oh, I've no. got some great uh, Twitter gifts yeah. out of uh, stream of annihilation of myself. So thank you to oh. whoever made those gifts. It really helped me out. <laughs> and working through all of your uh, all of your pain here. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, man. We'll talk to you soon, and uh, thanks for coming by. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, man. It's always fun talking to uh, uh, people who just have so much passion about Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, Oh, absolutely. In a longstanding tradition with the hobby, and and, uh, we we hadn't really talked about this, but at the Stream of Annihilation, it was was just interesting watching a lot of the groups come together that had never played – live together yeah the, the norm for them was was playing over twitch playing was live streaming games. yeah that was that was fun 
It was true. Uh, and uh, these guys have played together a couple of times uh, mm-hmm. here and there, but like bringing it back and, and having that be that face-to-face stuff and having it be different, you know, I like that. I like that they met up in real life too. Yeah. It actually makes like warms the cockles of my heart <laughs> a little bit there. Um, so where can people find out about you, Bart Carroll? Uh, I'm on Twitter as well, Bart underscore Carroll, uh, two R's, two L's, which uh, some people get. Uh, <laughs> and uh, by all means, uh, if you're not already a subscriber to Dragon Plus, please uh, subscribe, uh, iOS or Android or dragonmag.com. And we uh, religiously read through the comments in the survey. So uh, if you ever have any suggestions, advice, criticisms, uh, we read all of it, and uh, we are very eager uh, to, to always receive more of it. I read through it too, but just not religiously. I, th- I do it atheistically. <laughs> I read those comments, every single one. Thank you guys so much. You can uh, ask me questions. I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter, uh, or you can go to uh, Wizards underscore DND uh, to learn about everything that's happening in Dungeons & Dragons world. And, of course, uh, watch us record Dragon Talk live, twitch.tv slash DND. Um, we're on Mondays, 2 to around 5 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, if you're interested in, in, in watching more of Dice Camera Action with Jared uh, and uh, Anna, we talked to her as well. Her episode is coming out as well. Um, and we're going to be talking to Holly Conrad very soon in the next uh, couple of minutes. Um, but you can watch all of their adventures uh, 4 p.m. Pacific time on Tuesdays on Dice Camera Action. All of the back episodes are there as well. So you can... Um, you know, get caught up. But uh, even if you're interested in just jumping in, the last like five to six episodes are uh, are, are pretty good at giving you what's happening right about now. Uh, so easy to jump into and uh, easy to get hooked, I would say. All right, thank you guys so much uh, for listening to Dragon Talk. We'll be back next week. <laughs>